America is a country of immigrants, and at the same time a country distrustful of foreigners. We're proud of being a melting pot, but we worry that adding new ingredients might spoil the soup. We're afraid the newcomers will be lazy and live off the dole, and we're afraid they'll work too cheaply and take our jobs. We want them to do the work we won't do, but we don't want them to be here to do it. The Bush administration has proposed a plan to deal with the immigration issue by legalizing the presence of undocumented or illegal aliens living and working in this country. And here to discuss that plan are Tom G. Palmer, Cato Senior Fellow and Director of Cato University, and Dan Griswold, Associate Director of Cato's Center for Trade Policy Studies. And truth be told, one of the philosophical founding fathers of the administration's plan. Uh, Tom Palmer, did I overstate Dan Griswold's role in this? Well, I don't think so. Dan's a very modest guy, so he wouldn't say that on his own. But, in fact, he played a really important and pivotal role in developing a more rational uh, policy for the United States governing uh, immigration and undocumented workers. Dan Griswold, what exactly is this baby? Uh, What is this plan, and why do we need it? Well, when the president gave his speech on uh, January 7th, it had two main components to it. One would to create a legal channel for workers to come into the United States and take jobs that, frankly, Americans aren't interested in taking. And the employer would have to show that they tried to offer the job to Americans and there weren't uh, enough of them to come forward to take those jobs. Secondly, it would create uh, a path to legality for the estimated 9 million undocumented or illegal workers here in the United States already. Uh, and then it would create more green cards so that at the end of a period, they, they would have a visa that would be good for three years, renewable for another three years. At the end of that, most of them, we would expect them to go back home. Many workers here don't come here intending to stay te- permanently. They come temporarily. Uh, but it would create at least a path for permanent legalization uh, to for a share of those workers. And yes, it, it does broadly reflect uh, what I proposed, Cato proposed in a study in October of 2002, so it was gratifying to see our ideas uh, reach that high a level. Now, is this an amnesty program? Uh, It would not be an amnesty program. You know, back in the 80s, we did have an amnesty. We basically said, if you've been here four years or more, here's your green card, here's your permanent status. This time around, what the president is proposing is that they would get temporary status, not permanent legal status. They'd have to pay a fine, maybe $1,500, which is not chump change to somebody on one of these low-skilled jobs. And if they wanted to have permanent status, they'd have to get in line with everybody else. They wouldn't be jumping the queue. You know, Bill, I think uh, we could require them to offer up their firstborn as a sacrifice, and the critics would still call it an amnesty. Um, My mother used to tell me stories about the discrimination her parents faced as Irish immigrants back in the 1880s. Tom, historically, who are the immigrants, and is this fear of immigration anything new? Is it? Uh, we've, people have been afraid of immigrants for a very long time, and uh, as you mentioned early on, on the one hand, they say they're too lazy, and on the other hand, they're too industrious. And Sometimes the same people will be, make uh, both claims. But the waves of immigration, uh, British, uh, German, Irish, a lot more Germans again, Central Europeans, Italians, Eastern Europeans, Russians, Greeks, and so on, have come to this country. Each one uh, faced some form of discrimination and hatred because of their religion or skin color or language or the like, but they integrated and they made the United States what it is today. This is a country made up of people uh, who had a lot of get up and go, and the reason we know that is because their ancestors got up and went. They came to this country, they had the initiative to make this uh, a great nation. 
And I think that uh, most of the fears of immigration are either overstated or completely unfounded. You know, Bill, if, if I could say the difference is back then, 100 years ago, we let just about anybody in the country, as long as they didn't have a criminal record. You know, they had to go through Ellis Island, so it was an orderly process. But basically, if they were healthy, didn't have a criminal record, we let them in. The problem with our immigration system today is it is completely broken down. It's dysfunctional. Uh, we basically have two demographic and economic trends colliding with our immigration law. And as usual, the reality is, is winning out. Our economy continues to create low-skilled jobs. The Labor Department says the number of jobs requiring a month or less of training is going to increase 15% during this decade. At a time when the pool of Americans willing and happy to take those jobs continues to decline. We're getting older as a society. We're getting better educated. And yet our immigration system has no legal channel for peaceful, hardworking people to come in and take those jobs even temporarily. And surprise, surprise, the result is widespread illegal immigration. The president's proposal is a good faith effort to tackle that problem head on. Uh, critics say that it will lower wages for hardworking American families. Is that true? The, the, there's no evidence of that. Uh, first, immigrants come here because there's demand for their services. It's very expensive to come here from Mexico and live off your savings, to be unemployed. So they come here with a very realistic expectation of getting a job. Often they hear from their cousin or somebody in their village who's gotten a job at a carpet factory in Georgia or a meatpacking plant in Nebraska. Uh, there's no relationship between immigration and uh, unemployment. Consider the 1990s. We had record low unemployment, record job creation at a time when the number of immigrants coming into the country was legal and illegal, was as high as it's been in, in a century. What about the uh, mix of massive immigration and uh, a massive welfare state, Tom? Well, there I think there is a problem because we can't have a welfare state that would be merely a magnet to people who want to come in here and live off of the taxpayers. Uh, as a matter of empirical fact, the overwhelming majority of immigrants don't come here and get on welfare. They are net contributors to our welfare state. They're actually exploited by the native-born welfare recipients because they pay a lot more in taxes than they actually receive in benefits. Uh, so that's just a myth. However, it's a reasonable concern for people to have. Gee, if we have a welfare state, is that a magnet for people who won't work? Frankly, that's the immigration problem throughout much of Europe. Yeah. Europe is very different from the United States in that regard. They allow people to come in, and then they don't allow them to work, and they insist that they live on welfare. Well, duh, they have a big problem in a lot of European countries. Our system is different. Uh, it's not the welfare that's attracting people. It's work. It's the ability to create wealth. And what a lot of the critics forget is that when people come to this country and they work, they're adding more value than they consume. That's what it is to create wealth. They have two hands. They have a mind, the ability and the willingness to work and create. Remember, all the wealth that we enjoy today, basically, was created by immigrants. We've, uh, we've been told by critics of the plan that we're being overrun by immigrants. Dan, what do the numbers say as really as a percentage of the population? Are we, is this any greater now or, or, or is it similar to waves of immigration in the past? The, the current number and flow of immigrants are, are well within the American experience when you look at them as a percentage of the population. I think that's the right way to look at it. We talk in terms of a poverty rate and an unemployment rate. If you look at the immigration rate right now, legal and illegal, we have about four and a half immigrants coming into the United States each year per thousand population. That number was over 10 at the peak of the Great Migration a century ago. 
Today, about 11% of Americans are foreign-born. If you went back to 1910, it was almost 15%. We were more of an immigrant nation a century ago than we are today. The other thing is we have declining birth rates. In fact, our natural replacement rate is now, our natural birth rate is below the replacement rate. And immigration is helping us maintain a healthy growth rate in comparison to, say, Japan and Italy and Russia, countries like that. They're literally going to start shrinking before our eyes uh, very soon. What about the argument that uh, earlier immigrants came in waves and um, that was followed by a, a period of, of uh, no immigration where the, the, the population absorbed the new immigrants and they became Americanized? I, th- I think there's some revisionism going on there. You know, starting in the 1840s, we had pretty heavy immigration. First the Germans, and then those wild Catholics started coming over. And then it was the Italians and the Russian Jews, and they all seemed very different from us. And they became part of the fabric of American life. Yes, in the 1920s, we started to restrict immigration. And by the way, part of the motivation were a lot of those strange kind of eugenic ideas going around that it was the kind of people we were letting in. Uh, But, you know, we had the Great Depression and World War II. They were the main reasons why immigration fell dramatically during that period. I don't think we want to repeat that performance. But today's immigrants, I believe, are assimilating in largely the same way they used to. The first generation is always kind of has one foot in the old country. They struggle with the language. The second generation are usually fluent in both languages. And by the third generation, forget it. for, For better or worse, they are fully American. Brings up an interesting point, uh, particularly uh, post 9-11 and the war on terrorism and concerns about security. Should we treat all immigrants equally or should we favor and thus disfavor some countries and some immigrants? Well, a couple of things have to be clarified. There's a difference between people coming into the country in visas and immigrants. Uh, None of the 9-11 hijackers were immigrants. These were people over here on various kinds of temporary visas. Obviously, the system broke down in various ways. We need to have a system that can catch terrorists. Uh, Immigrants are a different matter. People coming from Mexico or from China, these are not terrorists. They're people who want to come here, join their family, and contribute to what it means to be an American. I think that we need to be more accepting of those people, and at the same time, more insistent that they adopt our fundamental values of respect for the Constitution and the rule of law. The burden is on us, and at the Cato Institute we take that very seriously, to inculcate a tradition of respect for limited government, individual liberty, and our Constitution. That's why we distribute our pocket Constitution. We have distributed those at uh, swearing-in ceremonies for new American citizens. We're coming out with a bilingual edition in Spanish and English for that first generation that might have some difficulty with the language. This is a really good way for them to learn English by learning our Constitution. You know, Bill, uh, the national security question is important to this. I think one problem is our immigration system has been oriented to keeping people out who, heaven forbid, might want to work and raise a family here. And we kind of took our eye off the fact that people might come in not wanting to stay here permanently, but to blow up our buildings. You know, it's significant that it was Homeland Security Secretary Tom Ridge who really first broached the subject in December. He said it would make his job easier if we legalized those 9 million people here. We would know who they were. They would be more inclined to come forward and cooperate with law enforcement. We could start to drain the swamp of smuggling and document fraud that has come up uh, to facilitate illegal immigration. We could redirect resources. You know, what in the world is the Homeland Security Department doing 
busting janitors at Walmart? Wouldn't you rather have them using their personnel and resources going after terrorists? Should we scrutinize? Now, where are these uh, immigrants mostly coming from? And should we scrutinize? Well, let's not beat around the bush. Should we scrutinize people, say, from the Middle East more um, stringently? It's a sensitive topic, but I think we need to deal with it. First, there is virtually no security risk from immigrants from Mexico. There's no record of terrorism. Uh, you know, they have not apprehended a single person at the Mexican border who had any terrorist connections. I think what we should do is, is yes, focus on those places in the world where the terrorist threat is most likely to come from. The uh, State Department, the Department of Justice have raised the threshold of who we let in. You know, we're, we used to let in, you know, a 25-year-old male from Saudi Arabia. We'd let them in, no questions asked. Uh, I think we have revisited that uh, assumption, uh, and properly so. So I think uh, creating this legal channel that Cato's been talking about, that President Bush is now talking about, would allow us to focus our resources and attention on those places in the world where the problem is most likely to originate. It's not in Mexico. Amen. And on that, I think we've just about run out of time. Time. I would like to uh, uh, end with one quote from the late Michael Kelly. He said, other nations worry about being overrun by alien hordes. We say, give us the wretched refuse of your teeming shore and tell them to bring their recipes with them. We only object to the influx of those peoples who possess no good recipes. <laughs> Tom G. Palmer, Cato Senior Fellow and Director of Cato University, and Dan Griswold, Associate Director of Cato Center for Trade.